It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, August 19th, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that is going to dig into the potential of Owen Tippett. Will be fun. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with prospect expert Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at LockdownFlyers. That's where you'll keep up to date on our episodes, Flyers news, all that good stuff. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, we are going to do a deep dive on Owen Tippett. And uh, we got a little bit of Flyers news, plus the NHL released its COVID policy for the upcoming season. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, Gritty went on some adventures. So we'll wrap up with that as well. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you're listening right now. So hit that subscribe button. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So subscribe over there and uh, drop us a like as well. Before we get into Owen Tippett, the Phantoms made a couple of re-signings, the first of which I think is a really good sign. Ryan Fitzgerald will be back with the team. He's a veteran, yep. uh, son of the New Jersey Devils GM. Always love having that <laughs> connection yeah. there. And he was injured for the most of last season, so it's good to see them re-signing him, which means they think he'll be healthy enough to play. Yeah, he's a good AHL player, uh, overachiever. I like him, so I think uh, it's good that they have him back. They also re-signed Alex Kyle, uh, who was on the Phantoms for the first time this past season, so they liked him enough to keep him around again, and that's good to see as well. Yeah, some continuity. Exactly. All right, so Owen Tippett. Of course, we know we acquired Owen Tippett in the Claude Giroux deal with the Florida Panthers. He was their 10th overall pick in 2017. And uh, we talk about this a little bit on a previous show, but we'll get back into it here with Chuck Fletcher indicating that Owen Tippett was a key part of that deal, that he was the prospect that they wanted to get in return for Claude Giroux as part of that package. Uh, so we'll talk about that. This past off season, he signed a two year deal with the Flyers for 1.5 million per season. So Russ, let's talk a little bit about him as a draft prospect and why you think Chuck Fletcher was interested in him specifically. Okay. So first off, I, I went and looked up my rankings in 2017, and I actually had him ranked 11th. So I had him ranked ahead of like Kale McCarr, a couple spots ahead of McCarr, as an example. I really liked him. 
Uh, I'll read you the, the report I had on him. Uh, has a terrific shot. He's good at getting deflections. Smooth skater, capable of uh, getting around players. Could snipe the small holes left by a goalie. Tough kid who could take a hit. So some of those things are still true. And then a few of them are waning. And, you know, and we can get into it whenever we get into it. But I think Chuck Fletcher uh, was sort of given a menu by Bill Zito. And I think that the Flyers started hyping Tippett to kind of get the fan base interested. Like, hey, listen, Tippett's really good. Now we're going to go see him. He's a younger guy. He's a former first-round pick, which, again, to me means nothing. I, you know, I don't care if you're a former or anything. You're all in the same fish pond to me. But former first-round pick. And we kept hearing this, like, all of a sudden, the whole organization is going to go watch him play. And that, to me, was fishy. Uh, that was weird because I knew that Tippett had gotten some real golden chances with Joel Quenville before he was gone and didn't cash in and had never really cashed in for Florida, and then he sent him down. So my feeling was they were done with him, and they weren't going to re-sign him, and they were looking to trade him. And I guess they found the perfect trade partner in the Flyers. Yeah, I think there's a lot there. As far as his draft scouting report, I think you were pretty spot on in terms of you know what uh, people were saying about him at the time. Um, you know, he worked really hard to get into scoring position every shift, and uh, he had 75 points in 60 games in that year in Mississauga in the OHL. Uh, 284 shots on goal that year, which is absolutely remarkable. So I can see what the appeal was, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, and why Florida took him. And to your point, I think the struggle was absolutely real. Uh, he spent two years kind of going back and forth between the AHL and the NHL. And I can see where if you're the Florida Panthers, which of course has a lot more talent than the Flyers do, at this point, there's just not going to be room for a guy like that on your NHL roster who you cannot rely on because that team uh, just was so much ahead of where the Flyers are that that you can't keep a guy like that around. Right. Yeah, they were built to win. And he was getting I think he got as high as second line for a little while just to see uh, what he could do and then eventually kept moving down until the point where they, they moved him off. And, and this doesn't mean that he can't play in the NHL. It just means they had no more time for him. They'd put a certain amount of, you know, resources into him. Uh, they had a hall of fame type coach coaching him. And, you know, cause he, you know, this is his, it wasn't his first coach either. And, and he just wasn't coming through at the NHL level. So they were just, you know, kind of like, all right, we got to move him, And they found a way to move him. Right. And I think that when he came to the Flyers, he got an extra shot at this, right? Yes. Where the Flyers were able to provide him some honestly similar opportunities to what he had already had in Florida. But because there was room on the Flyers due to injury, due to the team being bad, and they just, you know, could give him whatever ice time they wanted. Um, in Florida, 42 games played, six goals, eight assists, 14 points. 21 games, so exactly half for the Flyers, four goals, three assists, seven points. But he had three more minutes per game with the Flyers right. than he did with Florida. And that's and more the power big play difference. Time. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And, and that's, again, for last year, it was not a success. It wasn't. 
He didn't come through the way they thought he would come through. And even with that extra three minutes, which again, some players would kill for, right? You go look at like a guy like Andrew Mangiapane, who I think scored like 30 something goals. Mm-hmm. He did not get a ton of ice time at times and, and still managed to do that. So it is possible to do that in this league. And he didn't. And so now we're left at what, where is he as a player? And, you know, the one thing I'll pick out of my report that I don't think he could do at the moment, but could get back is I don't think he could snipe the small holes anymore left by a goalie. I think right now, I don't think his confidence is at that level. His shot may be at that level, but I don't think his confidence is at that level. And we'll, you know, we'll get into his shot eventually. Uh, but I think that part of it has waned a little bit. I think the skating is good enough. I think for a little while he did not get up in the NHL because the skating wasn't up to par. And I also think his his play away from the puck wasn't up to par. I think those things did get better. And those things showed themselves. Uh, I think Flyers were misled by some saying they liked his um, playmaking because he got some assists. Like, I don't think there's a big, there's not a big time playmaker here. He's no. a goal scorer, which, you know, he'll get some points. Don't get me wrong. He'll get some assists, but he's not going to be a playmaker. Exactly. And, you know, he had 10 shots on goal per 60 minutes, which is pretty high, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But his shooting percentage was down for the Flyers versus his time with Florida. Um, his expected goals per 60 were was 0.96. So again, that's pretty high expectations, but the accuracy wasn't there. And right. that's where the eye test kind of lines up with these numbers, right? And your point about him being a shooter more than a playmaker is spot on because that's really what he did more of with the Flyers was take that shot. And on that line with Morgan Frost and then later when Noah Cates showed up as well, he was the shooter amongst them where Morgan Frost was the playmaker. And so Owen Tippett was able to take a million shots. They just didn't go in because of the lack of confidence that you were talking about. Yeah. And I think, you know, as the season went on, he had a little more confidence and I think, um, you know, he was showing a little bit of dangle and, 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 and all those things are fine. Um, you know, in the next segment, I'll get into some of the mechanics of his shot, but, but right now where he stands as a player is he's a third line player. He's not a first line, first unit power play guy. If the flyers are healthy, he's not, doesn't matter how good his shot is. He hasn't proved it. Now it doesn't mean he won't get that opportunity because based on injuries and whatever the flyers may give him that shot but i have a feeling tortorella is going to make him work for it so so that's something where he has to prove that now he's not going to be handed this anymore and because again i think noah cates outscored him right that i don't know off the top of my head i think you know it it seemed like he did but he may have and so you know he's going to have some competition now again i understand the gm is going to give him and asked the coach to give him a lot of rope because of what his trade meant to the team, meaning Claude Giroux, uh, nine points in 16 games, five goals. So he did. Noah Cates wow. did out, outdo him. All right. Well, we're going to talk more about that shot that you were talking about and trends for his career so far, as well as expectations going into next season coming up next. But first, we're going to talk about our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your 
betting needs, and sports info. Find league reviews and news on every league, including Major League Baseball, and all the info leading up to the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons. They even cover combat sports, esports, and golf, too. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to scores, podcasts, and more. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite sports and events. Head to the Bet Online website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Russ, I think you know one of the biggest things we talked about when he got his two-year contract was the kind of coaching help that he needs to have a successful upcoming season. And part of that is related to his shot. Like I'm just going to use a, a player as an example. Um, Jaeger Fergus, who, you know, we talked about in the draft, uh, put up a, you know, his parents bought him like a shooting tarp in the house. And I think Owen Tippett needs that. It would be good if he also had a shooting coach, but I think he needs that and needs to look at his video because when he's getting a shot, and I've talked to other people about this, I noticed it, and then other people agreed, when he's getting a shot and he doesn't have time to think about it, and he's just like, it gets to him, he shoots it, it goes in. If he gets a shot and then there's like that half second to decide what to do with it, it doesn't go in. And it's really, that's how it was last year. And so the mechanics of the shot are actually fine. It's all up in his head. And it's the, it's the, the way that, he has to do it. And honestly, you just have to tell him as a coach, like not to think about it. And I'm hoping he's shooting, you know, a hundred pucks a day. I think that's what you have to do and come in with that. Like, okay, I have figured this out now. Wait till you see what I can do here and work up and work up the ladder because, you know, there are other good attributes to him. You know, the, he has a toughness level. So that, that alone could keep him on a John Tortorella team. Because he's got a toughness level. Uh, he's got, you know, he's good with the puck. So that could keep him on the team too. But eventually, you're wanting to get the scoring out of him. And if you're not, he's going to end up on the fourth line. Yeah. And I think, you know, with John Tortorella coming in, in a lot of ways, I think this is a really good opportunity for Owen mm -hmm. Tippett because of the kind of coach that Tortorella is. I do think that he does respect and understand the mental aspect of the game and will be supportive of what Owen Tippett needs to do going into this season. But I also think you're right. Like going back to his scouting report again, he does use his physicality to get into the best scoring positions. Yeah. And that's exactly what Tortorella likes to see. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that this will be a really good working relationship, or at least it should be in theory. Right. It and I, I, yeah. And then in terms of what his role could be, I really think as long as he has a good camp, he will start on that third line, especially because Joel Farabee is out. So there's a spot there for him for the taking that'll get him decent ice time. It'll get him that second power play unit time. And it'll basically be a little mini prove it. And then when Joel Farabee comes back, that's where the battle begins for who gets to keep that ice time. And if he's not up to snuff, he's going to get bumped to the fourth line. Like he is the guy that gets bumped. Right. I, a lot of times people will say, you know, what good is the preseason? Whatever. I get it. Sometimes you don't want to pay money for tickets for, you know, substandard games. But there are guys that do battle for jobs. And Owen Tippett, with a new coach, does need to score right away in preseason. He does. 
because to keep his place on the team and possibly his pace place on the power play. I'm sure he'll get some power play time no matter what because he has that shot. But again, if, if the Flyers power play is not working well and he's not scoring a bunch of power play goals, Tortorella is going to fool around with it and the team's going to fool around with it. And that's the worst thing that could happen to Owen Tippett is to not have power play time because he's just not driving enough five on five. He should be a power play scorer too, a pretty good one. But again, we're at the point now where, you know, a 2017 pick, we're in 2022, they got him signed to a two-year deal, like he has to prove it now. Like this is, these other things that have all led to this, fine. Mm -hmm. But now this is where he is going to have to show. And, you know, again, I think because the Flyers don't have cup expectations, they'll put up with a certain amount this year. And because it's attached to the Giroux trade. I think so. I do think that he will have to, in those early preseason games, especially when it's more prospect level players out there, he will have to dominate those mm -hmm. early games because he's older, he's a little bit more physical, and he's just going to have to muscle his way through and get the goals in those early games to even have the shot, right? Yeah. And so as more and more, quote unquote, NHL players enter the equation in the preseason and they start trying to put actual lines together, he needs to prove that he deserves that spot more than anyone else who's battling. And, and especially when you have, you know, big guys like Isaac Radcliffe nipping at an NHL opportunity, you know, Tanner Lazinski. I know he's a center, but still in terms of the versatility of some of the other guys, he's going to have to do a little bit of that playmaking as well to prove that he yeah. has a more complete game. And I mean, the so, Flyers have a little bit of depth that right wing. They do. Mm-hmm. That's like, I think, the one spot where they're in really decent shape for for the upcoming And that's where season. the competition, again, mm -hmm. like I pointed out, Noah Cates, since he's likely not to play center, it may come down to Noah Cates or Tippett on that third line. And right now, Noah Cates is winning the audition. We'll see under the new coach, but I, I, you know, I don't know if there'll be a difference. He, he still may do better. Assuming he can, you know, solidly make the squad, like what are your expectations for him versus predictions in terms of goals? Like what are we looking at? Assuming that things get a little better, uh, I'm going to go 14 goals. I don't really think I can go more than that. Yeah, I think it, it will depend a lot on the power play time, but yes. uh, my my number was going to be 15, so so pretty close. Uh, I think that he needs to get well above 10 to maintain any chance of staying on that third line uh, because the fourth line, it's they're not going to be expected to score anything, I think. No, and, and that's the problem is if, if yeah. he gets relegated to that fourth line, he'll get one shift, one chance every shift or every two shifts. That's it. And if it doesn't go in, that's it. Like he's not getting the puck back. And if Zach McEwen is on that fourth line, McEwen's going to take the puck in and take the shot because right. that's what he does. And yeah. so Owen Tippett is not going to get those chances unless they're rebound opportunities. Right. right. And so that's why it's not ideal for him to be there. He needs someone that still can feed him the puck. Now, if they use Cates as a left winger, which I'm not sure Torts will do, but if they do, um, you know, maybe they 
can be on the same line, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but at least Cates has the flexibility to go to the left side in a way that Owen Tippett, I don't think, can. No, I don't think so either. So, again, you know, he... He's a guy that is going to get time early on because he is a guy that they have to have succeed on some level. If if he fails here, the fan base, based on the Giroux trade, will look back on this in a year and say, what happened here? Yeah. This is going to be a real tough season with a lot of expectations where guys are going to have to step up from this yeah, I mean, season. I wish him well. He's a good guy. He's good in the room. I mean, I think he tries very hard. So, yeah, I hope he succeeds. Yeah, I think I said this about him before, but he's definitely a nice guy, tries hard uh, kind of player. So, mm-hmm. yeah, all the best to him. And hopefully he has a great season coming up. Uh, up next on the show, we are going to talk about the NHL's COVID policy for next season and wrap up with some gritty adventures. So, Russ, we got the official policy from the NHL on COVID next season. I think there's one sort of mixed message in there. There is. There's at least one. (laughs) At least one. But uh, the rule for next season is that players are not required to have received the vaccine, but are strongly encouraged to do so. But... If you are not vaccinated and can't cross the border into Canada, they can suspend you without pay. So that's where the mixed message is for me. Right. So, all right. So let's let's break this down. Um, so like a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi, who's a very valuable player, he's not going to get paid. Teams are not going to pay this guy to not be vaccinated and miss games in Canada. Depending on what team he's on, you know, it's going to be a fair amount of could be a fair amount of games. Um, he's still on Detroit, I believe, but I think they're looking to trade him. So, but there are other players too. It's like, I think what they've decided is, hey, you don't want to get vaccinated? Fine. Don't get vaccinated. But then you're going to sort of leave things in our hands on what we're going to do with you. And yeah, you can't play in Canada because it's unlikely Canada is going to change their their rules. So, so let, let's talk about, you know, coaches and players who uh, basically have said that they have an issue where they can't take the vaccine. And I believe there have been some real ones, and I believe there have been some ones that have been stretched to the point that it, it, it fits the narrative. That's where you're going to run into trouble on this, because, you know, as a fan, you have every right to get mad. If a player doesn't want to, you know, play because he's unvaccinated, I get it. You might feel bad if you find out, hey, he's got a compromised immune system and he can't take it. That's fine. But we, we, we really haven't found too many of those in the league. Now, somebody else might say, hey, we're okay with all these things because, you know, most of the same players are returning, but yet there's always going to be an influx of new players. And I've already seen in like football, a player's down already in preseason with COVID. So it's like, it it's not going away and it would be ideal if every player on every team were vaccinated, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So the one thing we know for sure is that the, the, the teams are going to protect the players and the team personnel. So, you know, like once again, like as a, you know, from the media perspective, we're not going to get in the locker room. 
and we're just going to get into that general area where we do interviews and the fans won't necessarily get the best stuff from that. They just won't. But what are you going to do? Yeah. And of course we know that uh, Rocky Thompson is not vaccinated and Mm -hmm. who's an assistant coach for the Flyers. So we'll see if he ends up taking those Canada trips or not, uh, which will indicate whether or not he has gotten vaccinated since then. But I think, you know, the other main part of the policy is that if a player does test positive with symptoms, uh, the player has to isolate for five days and then can leave if their symptoms are gone. Um, and they've gotten permission from the league to do so. But if they still have symptoms, they have to test negative to leave isolation, which is kind of like what the CDC is saying-ish right now. So I think that kind of tracks. I think the league's a little stricter in the sense that that player really does have to stay in that city and has to isolate and then can't rejoin his team until after where, look, I I think in real life, some people are driving home from wherever they are that tested positive, knowing they're going to their house and and not staying in a particular city. I'm sure that happens every day. So, but but teams are holding you know players to a higher standard, which I think they have to. Just like in the old days, if a flu went around the league, you know, you saw in like the early 1900s, leagues were wiped out by the flu a couple times. Yep. Uh, I don't think the league will be wiped out by COVID this year, but I can't tell you it's gone away or it's any better especially when i see other sports starting to maybe have players test positive so i think the league's doing the right thing i think there are some mixed messages uh from a fan perspective it will be interesting to see how long things stay status quo like you don't need a uh, you know a mask and you don't need to show vaccination to get into the building that's going to be a hot topic as we move closer into the winter and in, you know, indoor situations. And that's when, as you know, things change. So that's where things could change a lot, but you know, we'll worry about it when it happens. Yep. All right. We are going to wrap up with a few of Gritty's adventures. There is actually one that uh, Gritty posted of himself with somebody who had gotten a tattoo of gritty on their leg and man like that is bold getting a, a gritty tattoo pretty big on your leg bold dumb we'll see in 10 years how that person thinks about that tattoo well i don't know i'm always like saying go for it if that's what your jam is i mean do and, you want uh, one i'll pay for it if you want to get one on your leg right you know this week no i don't but <laughs> if somebody does i'm not gonna fault them for it Okay. And then Gritty, along with a bunch of other hockey mascots, including Melvin from the Phantom. So it was good to see both of them together. Uh, Had some adventures here in New York City. So there was a visit to the top of the Empire State Building. And then there was a visit to the ice rink at the big American Dream Mall in North Jersey. Uh, visit to the NHL offices. Can I ask a, a dumb question? Is the yeah. American Dream Mall the old Paramus Mall or is it the other one? No, that... it's a brand new construction that's huge and it has like an amusement park, a water yeah, park, okay, it's an that ice one. rink. Um, it has right. the indoor ski. Because they're having financial trouble already again. Yes, they are. Yes, they so are. So it's that one that are. we see off the highway. Okay, that mm-hmm. massive one. Okay. Yeah. My other big question is, is Gritty really tight 
with Melvin? Like, are they really friends or is Gritty kind of so. like, yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like he's like, yeah, I know. They we're always gonna have, have fun interactions at Phantoms games. Yeah. All right. Does he hang out with him when he's not at Phantoms games? That's the question. They were in New York together. So there you go. Oh, one time. You've got one time. No, they've they've done plenty of joint. Okay, so I guess they're good buddies then. All right. Yeah. Um, the last one was visiting the NHL's offices, and uh, it was a very cute video. I highly recommend that one. Of there were three mascots, and they just kind of walk into a pane of glass, which I think is a funny thing to do. Yeah, the NHL that's what I would do if I uh, was wearing a costume suit <laughs> like that and couldn't see. <laughs> it's easy to do. I mean, let's face it. It, it really is. All right. That will do it for today's show. And for the week, we'll be back again on Monday with any Flyers news and our nemesis of the week. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world with Locked On NHL, your daily NHL podcast. Have a great day, everyone.